to our uh, midweek service, and we're actually uh, kicking off our month-long relationship boot camp. Uh, we're starting today. We want to highlight parents. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to be talking about parents. We're going to talk about single life, uh, every relationship. We're going to try to hit every relationship possible, friendships, coworkers, siblings, um, uh, throughout this process. Also, uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to do just maybe a couple different things. Uh, uh, we wanted to do a panel, but we may just have a couple couples that we actually utilize to accentuate some of the things that we're talking about during this time. You know, it'll be a couple Sundays. We already have one couple lined up for uh, Valentine's Day, which I didn't realize was actually on a Sunday. <laughs> Uh, so we're, <laughs> it's amazing, they put the fellas to work. <laughs> so, so, uh, so we're going to do a, a, a couple of things, but this is a good time. Take some notes, some insights, even if it, you're not in a situation right now, it's a great opportunity to, you know, for lack of better words, have your own cheat seat to prepare you for some things. Um, now we hope because we're opening up with parenting that people don't blow off something so valuable because some of us, our lives have been um, positively or negatively shaped through parenting, uh, which we'll talk about here. Um, so, so and, and when we talk about parenting, the, the main issue is not necessarily um, uh, struggling. The issue, um, I think, is when we place saving face as a bigger priori priority overdoing what's best for our children. Uh, so that's when it gets kind of dicey. Like when we, we, we leave the responsibility of parenting a child and now we go into, you know, our own protective custody of making sure we don't look bad. You see parents coming to school and fight teachers. Um, uh, and they're fighting teachers because, you know, instead of embracing the fact that, yes, that's your, that's, that's your boy or that's your child, uh, making that decision or making that move, uh, people actually, no, that can't be my baby, you know. And so they, they'll fight over the, uh, the loyalty to their child as opposed to doing what's best for them. Remember we had a situation with Mondale. Our son <laughs> was in a similar situation where um, he had an issue at, with his coach. And so a uh, pastor went over there and found that what the son was saying, what our son was saying, was totally different from what the coach was saying. It was a little bit, it uh, wasn't as accurate. So I went there to <laughs> defend my, uh, my child, and I sat in there and was embarrassed to realize <laughs> that I was getting uh, a misinformation. So, but I had to embrace that. I couldn't save face and just go off on the coach. I had to embrace the fact that you know, there were some, 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 some things, there were some inaccuracies in what was being communicated. Um, and uh, the other thing is, is sometimes we struggle as parents because we show them compromise, but we expect commitment. We show them compromise, but we expect commitment. And <laughs> another big challenge is uh, a good parent doesn't abandon a child at the first sign of cost. A good parent doesn't abandon a child at the first sign of cost, whether that's spiritual, emotional, or financial. And so, so the good thing is hopefully, as we're talking through this parenting, those that are already parents, those that are going to be parents, we actually equip ourselves to, to, to be solid parents. We get out ahead of it. You know, even those that are looking to be parents down the road, you, you can't be shocked into being a good parent. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. You know, so hopefully... Uh, we take heed to God's advanced information for those that are not parents yet or those that are striving to be better parents. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6.12 and we'll get started with uh, what we're talking about today. This, this scripture should help us through every aspect of relationships, but definitely when it comes to our topic today, of course, which is uh, parenting. So 1 Corinthians 6, 12, it says, all things are lawful unto me, all things are lawful unto me, 
but all things are not expedient or not best. It says, and all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So it's basically saying, when it says all things are lawful, it's saying the reality is because God has given us something called choice, we can do anything we want. Uh, but everything we do is not best. And so when we start to mature, we, 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 we learn that we have to do what's best. And I think if we get that now, you know, like, you know, you come into a relationship or any level of relationship or even as a single, if, if that becomes your default now, you, you're, you're going to be better off as parents. But if, if you live a life where it's about what's convenient for you or not what's best for, for anybody around you, like if you just don't make decisions that's best for your life, when you get into situations where you get into a, a marriage or a relationship or you have children, you'll find yourself doing what's convenient for you, not, not, not what's best for that child. So a good parent, in this particular case, waits on delayed gratification, is not thirsty for instant gratification. So sometimes it's, uh, parents struggle because they want the instant gratification. They want to be like now at the expense of that child's life, as opposed to on the front end, you may not be as liked. You know, so we have to watch trying to feed our low self-esteem at every turn that we get, uh, wanting to be liked at every turn. The life is not set up that way. Sometimes doing what's best is not comfortable for the people that you care about. But you have to be able to weather that storm to do what's best for their, their life. Uh, we were in a situation earlier in the marriage where, you know, I mean, my son had this conversation probably a couple weeks ago. And... You know, I had to do what was best for him, uh, but not, and I remember when he called, he wanted to come back home. Now, I was having this conversation, I think, with my brother, not with my son. And my son wanted to come back home, and I, and I told my wife, we pray about it. And so she was like, well, pray about it, but, you know, ah, but, but he's out there, you know, in the streets doing whatever. I'm not going to get into all of what she said, but so I said, well, sweetheart, I can't help the situation at the expense of his life. I have to do what's best for his life. Now, that was uncomfortable because I want to be liked. I want to be liked by her. I want to be liked by him. But I couldn't be liked at the expense of what was best for his life, his future. So I had to eat it. I had to be Darth Vader or the bad guy at that particular time. So uh, one of the things in our notes I put is that uh, your children have, in some cases, children have been given a job. So when they come into the world, um, it's almost like they have to, uh, you know, make sure that you're, you're good, make sure that they don't make no mistakes, you know, uh, make sure that they uh, help your self-esteem, um, you know. Uh, so and often times, kids are actually born with a job. And so we got to watch that because um, they're born. They're children. They should never have to be... Uh, you know, responsible for our happiness. Um, we're supposed to be responsible for that. God is the one that gives us the happiness, but we can't count on our children to, to make sure that we're satisfied, we're happy. And it's unfortunate, but kids, you know, uh, in some cases, think about it. Some people uh, are, you know, maybe have a rocky marriage and they think that a baby will fix it. So what do they do? They get pregnant, thinking a baby's going to fix it. So now that baby comes in that with marriage a with a job mm -hmm. <laughs> to fix the marriage. So uh, I think that's important that we make sure that we're not setting them up to actually have a job to come in and, and, and make everything right. You know, you, you have kids, sometimes they don't make healthy decisions with their careers mm -hmm. because of parents. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to make sure I, I stay here to comfort my parent at the expense of of extending the legacy of my family and making the best decision for my life. So that's dangerous too. You know, uh, not doing what's, this is the thing. Sometimes we don't do what's uncomfortable because we want to be liked. And, and it's just respectfully, it's, it's a very selfish way to operate as a parent. You know, when your goal is to be friend first, when you're a friend first parents, Friend-first parents eventually become enemies. Friend-first parents become, mm -hmm. become enemies. You know, 
doing what's best for his parents or perceived enemies, those are the people that become friends. Um, because eventually a child is growing, and as they grow, they'll despise the parent that was trying to be a friend first, mm. you know, as opposed to doing what's best for their lives first, because they're going to grow up and mature and understand what life is about and go, well, you didn't do this for me. just had a conversation with, it, with a young man. He was like, well, uh, my parent didn't do this for me. My uncle didn't do this for me. My grandfather didn't do this for me. He went through the whole list of the people that should have done things that they didn't do. And so uh, we have to watch it because things will get flipped easy. The scripture says in Mark 13, 12, it says, brother will, will betray brother to death and father, father the son and children shall rise up, look, against their parents mm-hmm. and shall cause them to be put to death. Mm-hmm. So, so when we, when we, how can I say, when we operate in a way that's more selfish, so think about it, if I, if I make decisions that's, that's more for me, I sow that into my child, so I'm, sh- I'm sowing selfishness into my child. So my child is going to grow to be selfish, so I think it's, they're going to be loyal to me. But this is what happens. The child grows up, they get into a relationship, and the parent goes, but I've done all this for you. And, and they kick you to the curb like you wasn't even there. I know my wife was saying this um, before we get into creating boundaries. My wife was saying, um, she said, so, so our story is I came into my wife and my son's life when he was 14. Mm-hmm. And so... And so it was, for a long time, it was them against the world, you know? <laughs> it was just them two against the world. So, so sometimes you could be around the house thinking, you know, like, you know, they're off in the corner because here I'm establishing, I'm establishing, okay, boundaries. I'm establishing, okay, this is what's best for us to flow as a family. Well, you know, they freelancing before I show up. So then I... <laughs> As I start to establish these things, you can see them go off in the corner or like he would be bothered and she would go, well, I understand what he's going through. And I was like, I know you understand because you trained him, <laughs> right? So, so we, would, we would, you know, we would have our little conversations and I had to weather the storm. You know, I just had to be the bad guy. I had to be on the outskirts from time to time, you know, while they soothe each other to this dude coming in their lives, you know, establishing this, this direction and this flow. And so as we grew, my wife said, you know what, babe? I would, have, I would have chased you out of the home. This is when my son got married, I mm. think. She said, I would have chased you out of the home, and right now I would be alone. She said, I would have worked so hard to, to get what was comfortable for me, chased you out of the house. Look, he done found somebody, done left me, and now I'm alone. <laughs> you know, as opposed to doing what's best. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and all I was doing was uh, establishing boundaries. You know, just boundaries of protection, not for prevention, like God does. His, his laws are to, to, to show us how to stay within his protective presence. Not, they're not so restrictive. They're not trying to punish or hurt us. Mm-hmm. It's just how we view them. I think uh, I wanted to add something. Um, uh, a lot of times parents, and I, I promise you I was guilty of this, a lot of parents uh, they take pride in your your children's friends saying that your mom and your dad is cool. How many of y'all have been through that? Where it's like, and you you almost feel like you know the cool mom and the cool dad, you know, and 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 but that's a problem. That's a problem because the thing about it is you always want to show a level of authority. Uh, you don't. You, like you talked about friends uh, being your, your children's friends. And, you know, I remember, in fact, he even said it. Um, some of my son's uh, friends was like, man, your mama's hot. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and he could tell when they would come over, he could tell they probably was, you know, lusting after me or whatever. And, uh, and I thought it was cute. I thought it was like, you know, oh, you know, that's cool. You know, they, they got somebody that they can feel comfortable with, you know, coming over to the house. And, you know, she's a cool mom, you know, and, and, but that was not good. That wasn't good yeah, at all. Yeah, I was telling him, I said, I said, man, you can't. You can't be building your self-esteem up <laughs> on these little kids, man, that, you know, don't even know better. That, that ain't even healthy. You know, they, they need uh, direction. These kids, they're lost. But I wasn't so, thinking so I, of that. Yeah, I was, I was still cool with them directing them, <laughs> you know, so. That's good. 
so don't give uh, don't give children control because they don't know what to do with it. So oftentimes, we give children control, more control than what they really uh, understand how to apply. Um, so we want to watch that, uh, you know, because kids really, you know, they're they're uh, what up here. Utilize the utilize of the control. You utilize do. the control. Yeah, utilize the control you do have while they are young, so that when they are older, uh, they may possibly choose what you've been trained or training them to do. So that's important. Um, oftentimes, children do not like the choices that we make. Uh, what they should wear, you know, what they should listen to, what they should see. Uh, but we have to do what's best. If we, do, if we don't do what's best, how will they learn when they grow up? Like really, what would they come to? What would they come to know? Some of the choices we make today for our kids can affect their future. So, you know, you know when, like think about it, when, when a child is young, you have the authority, you have the right to tell the child what to wear, you have the right to tell them uh, what they should watch, you have the right to tell them, you know, how, even how to fix their hair, believe it or not. You don't give a child uh, uh, autonomy when you're supposed to be the parent. We're supposed to lead and guide them. Because if you leave it up to a child, they're gonna, do, they're gonna choose what's comfortable for them. But it may not be necessarily the right thing for well, them. Well, not only that, children are easily influenced. So they could be watching mm -hmm. Mickey Mouse all day, or they could be on their tablet watching something all day and you're giving them choice. They're not making their own choices. They're making choices that was influenced to them by what they were exposed to. But you're supposed to have a greater influence of exposure. So then when you leave, when you put, put it in their hands to choose, the adversary can determine their choice right in front of your face yeah. because you're not taking responsibility to guide them. So I have a, a, a parent that I know that said, well, you know, ever since kids was little, well, I give my kids choice. Mm -hmm. And what I tried to explain to them is, is they don't know how to choose yet. So how are you giving them choice? Like they, they, they haven't grown to, to, to be able to be, uh, uh, to know how to process what's best. Uh, I know we had a conversation, um, uh, we were talking about how uh, in ministry, so in ministry, we deal with a lot of adults that are inconsiderate. Uh, we don't get offended because we understand that they were raised to be inconsiderate. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you raise, when you raise and the focus is all on you, no one's training you how to consider other people. And so you can grow up in life and all you see is what's important to you, not how it's affecting people. Uh, you won't, like, we, we deal with some people, they don't, they care less about what's going on with your schedule or nothing like that. They're just, you know, I mean, we could be in here, we could be totally exhausted. Won't nobody pay attention if we're exhausted? Like, I could be almost looking like I'm falling on my face. person that asked me if I'm tired, and in the same breath, now, let me give you another demand. Well, that's not, they're not being cold, they're just being inconsiderate. And see, we attach emotion to words like that, but that means the person is not considering their audience. They're, they're, all they focus on is what's important for them, and that's living a life. Something, that's training. And so what she said about giving kids choices too soon, you know, and they haven't been taught how to navigate to them choices, kids will put themselves in harm's way. There's a reason why we don't give children the keys to the car mm -hmm. at 10 years old. There's a reason for that. So, so, because wow, the child will be focusing on driving a car, but they'll be blinded from the responsibilities that's attached to the car. Mm -hmm. Scripture says, when I was a child, spake as a child, thought as a child, understood as a child. When I became a man, mature male or female, I put off childish things. So if you're not going to give a kid the keys to the car at 10, why would you give them keys to their life at 10? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's uh, it's warped. And, and the reality is, uh, I was talking to my nephew, uh, so I'll give you a little shout out. I got a lot of nephews, so one is overseas, and we were talking. And so, 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 so if you think about it, you, you grow in life and you're going to have to make these choices. Like, you're going to have to make these choices. So if somebody gives you the keys too soon, 
or if they tell you here, you can make these choices and you haven't developed to understand how to make these choices yet, I mean, we're going to do some dangerous things. Like, not because we tripping, but sometimes parents haven't been taught how to be parents. So he, my nephew was uh, locked in on the fact, he says, well, you know, I know I wasn't playing. He said, Uncle Keith, you wasn't playing, <laughs> which is true. You know, I, I, you know, I was the, the last the last kid in that rotation uh, with my father and mother. So I wasn't, you know, I mean, I probably just popped up. Hey, I'm pregnant. But the reality is, e- even with all the kids, they wasn't going, hey, let's train ourselves to be parents so we can have, so when we have kids, we're ready. Sometimes we have kids before we're prepared, but you don't get a pass on learning how to be parents because the kids are already here. Then we get this line all the time. You know, these my kids. I know how to raise them. Just because you have kids don't mean you know how to raise them. Matter of fact, that's not even close to true. That's true. The birth of a child doesn't automatically elevate you to a solid parent. Taking the time out to let God grow you and teach you how to be a solid man or woman of God and how to be a parent is what helps you to become a good parent. Yeah. You know, not your emotions. Your emotions don't make you a good parent. I did want to kind of revise something that I said. Um, you want to, it, it's a, it's a, um, you, you got to have a balance because you want to uh, encourage creativity in your children. You know, you want to, you know, uh, get them to see, you know, how you can match things together, colors, you know, that's how they discover, you know, the colors that they like, you know. Um, well, you, you got go ahead, thought. Girl, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, no, go ahead. This part. No, I want to hear. I want to hear what she. <laughs> no, I was just thinking when she said matching colors. You know, like because you know. Okay, so I deal with grown men that haven't been taught how to coordinate. Mm-hmm. Just haven't been taught. They're not evil people. They just haven't been taught. You know, or how how haven't been taught how to tie a tie. What's what's the different types of knots? Whether it's a single wins or double wins or whatever. They just they just haven't been taught. You know. Or, or just how to handle certain things. And so that's a part of parenting, not just finding an indentured slave, somebody to clean the house up, or mm-hmm. somebody that now you've been controlled all your life, now you got somebody you can rule. That's, kids are bigger than that. Kids are jewels. But it's an opportunity to teach them. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, mm-hmm. I want it, it's, but it's a balance. So in one breath, you know, you want to give them a little uh, leeway to discover some things, but you got to pay attention to what they're discovering too, because with media being out there, they'll discover some things that you really don't want them to discover. And so at that point, you need to kind of guide them back into what they should be doing. Um, so uh, that's good. Yeah. So, so the key is children belong to God, and they are our responsibility, not our possessions. Mm-hmm. Children belong to God; they are responsibility, not our possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, so you see parents sometimes when they go through tough relationships, they're fighting for soul custody. Well, some people are fighting for soul custody as a possession, not a responsibility. They're not saying, I, I, I want custody because I really want to be responsible to guide this child's life. They just want another possession. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not about kids aren't possessions. They're responsibilities. When you start treating them like possessions, you know, you're cheating them for what they need in their life. See, a possession, you know, just like this watch is a possession. This is an accessory. Like, like this watch doesn't get its needs met. Kids are not watches. They're people and they're responsibilities. So, so every choice you make, you're saying, you're showing if you're taking on that responsibility or not. When you decide to cheat your diligence and your discipline, you're cheating them from the opportunity to be the best they can be. So if you're in a relationship right now, a mom and dad, and uh, you've separated and you have children, this is for the people across the TV land and in anybody here, but uh, if you have children um, in that marriage and there's a separation, uh, you want to make sure you, you ask the question, what are you fighting for? Are you fighting for the kids or are you fighting for the money? So the person, let's say it's the man who, who is like, okay, I, you know, I ain't paying no child support. Uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight to get these to get these kids. 
Well, the question for the man is, are you fighting for the money because you don't want to give out the money, or are you fighting to really get your kids? The other, on the flip side, let's say the woman, she wants the child support. So I'm going to make sure I fight to get the child support. Well, is she fighting really for the money, or is she fighting for the kids? So that's a good question for you out there that uh, are dealing with that. Ask yourself, am I really fighting for the, ch for the child, or am I fighting for the money? All right, so, so this is the key. Like, you know, a lot of times we, are, we think there's one side of parenting. In a lot of cases, we think it's just affection. Or sometimes, in some cases, we think it's just discipline. Or we think, I made all the right positive confessions. But it's not just affection and confession. It's direction. It's direction. It's not leading, it's lording. It's not, le it, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. It should be, it's not lording, it's leading. Right. I, so I did that backwards. So you might not want to put that up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it backwards. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, and it's discovering customized training, not forced conformity. Mm -hmm. It's discovering customized training, not forced conformity. And so, so how does that happen? So sometimes we... Sometimes what we do is we, uh, we, we don't want customized training, even, even in my relationship. To customize what my wife needs, I have to be attentive to her. But if I just want to follow a cookie-cutter plan and just get her to conform to what's comfortable for me. See, it's not about her. It's just about my, me being convenient. Same thing with parents. Sometimes we go... This is the way my daddy did it. This is the way my daddy's daddy did it. And this is the way my daddy, daddy, daddy did it. And then so we we're fo we're follow, we have a cookie cutter way we want to do it as opposed to each child needs customized care. Well, my grandchildren, when I go visit them, I take them out individually. I grab, I have a, have, if I have the time, I'll either have a day with them or I have time within a day with them because they're all different. So I want them to have their own type of exchange time because I can't just, they don't flow the same. You got one that's creative, you got one that's relational, you got, you got one that's in the, the cerebral, so you gotta flow with them different. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and, and from the very day they were, they were born, that's how I flow with them, even when they were little. I pick them up in my arms, take, I would take the oldest away, even though she's the oldest, and, and talk to her while she was in my arms, or one-on-one, -on -one or somewhere out in the park somewhere. You know, so it's That's customized. Good. Yeah, you know. even the discipline. So the discipline, you can't, you, you, you can't have a cookie-cutter approach if you have multiple children and, and every child gets disciplined the same way. Uh, one discipline for one child would probably work. The same discipline on another child could break their spirit. Mm. So you have to really, really be sensitive to the needs of the child. It can hurt their feeling. I mean, you know, it's, you know, some people hollering, I, I, honestly, I think hollering is something that is not necessary. You know, if you think about it, you wouldn't want to be hollered at. You know, a lot of times we get, we get beside ourselves as, as adults and we're, we're like, okay, I'm the adult, I can holler. But then when, think about it, if someone hollers at you, what happens to you, you start to feel smaller and smaller and smaller, especially if they're just like over you and just, you know, telling you this, telling you that. It's just, it's, it's disrespectful if you think about it. So to holler at your children, to me, you know, to get their attention from time to time if they're going to, you know, burn themselves or, um, but to have a habit of hollering at your children, I just, I don't know, I think it's something we need to think that through because we have to ask ourselves, would we want to be hollered at? Most of the time it's a result of impatience. Mm -hmm. Like we've, we've, we're being inconvenienced. And once, yeah. once again, that means we're yeah. not out ahead of our children. Our scripture says this, Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child and the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Or when she is old, she will not depart from it. Mm -hmm. So you're training them up, not pacifying them up or neglecting them up. You're training them up, right? right? And so that's why we talked about customized training. So, so again, children need some things for their customized training. Number one, they need direction. Children need direction. 
Psalm 127. Psalm 127, 4 and 5. You good? It's right here. So Psalm 127, verses 4 and 5 reads this. It says, As arrows are in the hand of the mighty man, of a mighty man, so are children of the youth, right? Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. Um, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Amplified says this, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children, the children of one's youth. How blessed, happy, and fortunate is the man whose quiver, you know, that's the thing that holds the arrows. Mm. Uh, quiver is full, uh, is full with them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with the enemies. Um, this says in gatherings at the city gate. And what they would do is they would gather together and there was a point of judgment. You know, the, you, know you heard one of the uh, politicians says it takes a village to raise a family. People are running that line forever and ain't no village. No, that's not nice. There's been limited villages raising families. But, but this is the, the whole point is there was a culture where everybody was connected. We, we all grew together. And way back then what they would do is there was, when everybody came to the gate or the gathering, that it would be an assessment or judgment of how, how your, chi- your children was representing your family because that's your legacy. See, they understood that you're in a place, but your, your, your future is carried by your child, just like Solomon carried David's torch. So it wasn't, one wasn't independent of the other. And so they said if you train up your child right, when you showed up at the gathering, you weren't ashamed. <laughs> Because your children was representing uh, a preparation for the future. It's like, uh, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's Johnny's child right there. Boy, he's going to carry that torch, you know, as opposed to you trying to show up and like, <laughs> leave your kids at home because <laughs> they're embarrassing you, right? <laughs> All right, so, so it was it's similar. This is a similar foundation to when, remember, Satan came to question God about one of his children, Job. And God was... God didn't flinch. He said, go ahead. You can test him if you want to. He said, don't do nothing to kill him, but you, you can test him. He said, that's my servant Job. He will never curse me. And, you know, he, he was like, yeah, because you got this hedge of protection around. He said, I removed a hedge. <laughs> I removed a hedge, and I guarantee you, Job will still be in that pocket. I know Job. Remember, God said about Abraham. He said, I know Abraham. He's going to guide his family after everything that, that I'm guiding him to do. That's why Abraham was a friend of God. But can God say that about us? Oh, <laughs> I know Mary. Mary's gotten her children right in the way, in my ways. Her child will complete their legacy. They're training up a child the way they should go. They're being a good steward over their children. I ain't worried about Mary, right? So we want things from God, but can God get us to be great parents for them? Yeah. So uh, the scripture that he, that he talked about, train up a child in the way they, go, they should go, um, I think about oftentimes we uh, give the responsibility of training our kids up to teachers, people at church, you know, we, we, we be like, here, fix them, <laughs> you know, and the thing about it is, um, so we got, t- I, I put down here, teachers, uh, church leaders. I remember you were saying how the children well, are arrows. Well, that's what I'm going to oh, okay. say, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so basically, when you think about the arrow, the arrow uh, back in the day, they used arrows as weapons, right? And so each, each of those uh, arrows that they created were customized. So there was not any two arrows the same. And so uh, with children, uh, the scripture talks about train up a child in the way they should go, but children are like arrows. So what happened, that, um, I, I used two scriptures together, but children are like arrows. And so... Basically, um, the the uh, teachers and the aunts and the uncles and stuff like that are nice, but you don't want to you don't want to uh, give that responsibility over to the to these people. The parents' responsibility is to actually release them in the right direction. So yes, these people can sharpen them. They can you know uh, kind of help. Uh, 
chisel off some things, but not the sole responsibility of, of here, fix my kids. Because I'm telling you, a lot, of, a lot of parents will send their kids to school and they expect the, expect the teacher to actually parent the kid. You know, um, but but it's not their job. Their job is to maybe sharpen them. You know, uh, but our job is to actually point them in the direction uh, and release them in the, at the right time. So that's good. So so we're supposed to guide uh, these our our children out of youthful lust, not guide them into or comfort them into lust. You know, you know we know <clears throat> we counsel people now, men and women that are bound right now. And they're struggling because they got the wrong guidance when they were young. Um, they weren't assisted in, in, into breaking out of some of those things. Second uh, Timothy two twenty two says, "Flee also youthful lust." So we can't be the we can't be the catalyst for it. You know, so if if we're as, if we as parents if we're participating in something and we allow that spirit inside of us and we're the house band to cover in that house, we're bringing that spirit into the house and children don't know what to do with that. You see your children start to act weird or, or start to um, do different things that are lustful, even, you know, they could be four or five years old, but that's the spirit that you brought in the house. Kids don't know what to do. Nothing. They don't know what to do with that. Like they can't, like it's unfair because there's no resistance to those spirits for the kids. The kids can't resist those spirits at all. You know, you have a choice, but the kids can't. So we have to be, remember we're guiding them, we're giving them direction, we're um, uh, creating an atmosphere for them to get where they have to go. Oh, that's good. Uh, so you have to think about your atmosphere. Is it an atmosphere that actually is conducive for their uh, well-being? Um, like you talked about, you know, if you're exposing yourself to uh, you know, uh, uh, movies that are not fitting, uh, music that actually uh, creates, you know... Um, uh, feed the flesh, yeah, not Yeah, feed the, the flesh and not the spirit, yeah. Um, you know, what are you exposing your children to? Because children are like sponges. They soak up everything. And a lot of things are not necessarily taught, it's caught. So when they see you do certain things, uh, they, 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 they think that it's okay if they see or hear you doing, you know, watching you uh, watch certain movies, uh, uh, listening to you, you know, listening to some of the things that you listen to, they think it's okay. And you may be able to process it as an adult, and in some cases probably not, but we'll just give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> uh, but they can't. Their minds are not equipped to be able to handle uh, the exposure. So we have to really, really watch uh, what we expose our children to. Uh, as children, uh, we require things from them, and, uh, uh, and they sometimes don't obey. <laughs> God requires things from us, <laughs> and we don't obey. So sometimes your children is a reflection of what you're doing. And what you're doing, not necessarily openly, but what you're doing in secret where only you and God can see. So, could you, could you do that, say that again? So as children, we require things from them, and they sometimes don't obey. God requires things from us, and we don't obey. So who, who are we to actually get on them? Uh, uh, you know, who are we to actually uh, get mad at them when our Father, our Heavenly Father, is requiring some things of us, we're not being obedient to Him. And so who are we to, to, to oh, you want to read that? Go ahead, read that. All right, so she has the scripture here, so I wanted to read it. It says, uh, Matthew 7, verse 5. Matthew 7, verse 5. It says, Thou hypocrite, <laughs> mm. first cast a beam out of thine own eye. It says, Then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. In this particular case, based on what she was just saying, she was saying, you know, we're requiring, requiring things of the kids that we're not even giving God. And so we're actually operating as a hypocrite. We have expectations mm -hmm. that we're not giving ourselves. Well, and it should wake us up. Like, you know, like really, anytime when our kids are being disobedient, we need to ask ourselves, okay, you know what? They're a reflection of what I'm doing. Am I obedient to God, my father? 
Um, so that, I think that's important that we, we take, do a self-check. Um, so here's the other thing. Uh, the children, this is for children, and some of us are reaping what we sow when we were children. So, you know, our son right now, he's got three of them. And <laughs> he, uh, he's like, man, he's like, you know, I, I see now. He's like, I'm reaping what I sowed. Because now he, you know, the things that he's, he did, he's now seeing it in his children. And so, you know, we... And his children weren't there. No, they weren't that's, there. That's the amazing thing. Mm -hmm. The kids weren't there. So it's not like the kids got a chance to see him doing it. They're actually manifesting the things that... He, the, the way he flowed with us, his kids are manifesting the same thing. It was so funny. He was like, uh, just not too long ago, he was like, man... He said, uh, he said, I, 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 I got my son up and, and he went back to sleep. I said, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> I told him, I said, I said, this is what I told him. I said, I said, you, what you used to do, I don't know if you remember this. I said, the, the, the thing would ring, right? And it was right next to him. So he would put it on snooze or he would even turn it off. Of course, he would it be late. next to him? No, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, it was at first. Then we decided we would put it across the room. This dude would get up, go across the room, turn it off, and get back in bed. So guess what? His son, this, it, it, I said, you reap what you sow. He said, man, and I got three of them. So I just thought it was funny. Like, he would have to get out of the bed. And sometimes it was a cold morning. Yeah. So it's one thing if you hit the alarm and you ain't in the bed. You, you're still in the bed. He got up out the bed. Out the bed. Turned the alarm off, got back in the bed. I said, man. And we used to have practice at 6 o'clock in the morning. And he had grew his game and got good, so he was one of our star players. And so, so I showed up at practice. The rule was you don't come to practice, you don't play. So I showed up at practice. They was like, uh, so where's Dale at? I said, here, yeah, home. They was like, don't you live in the same house? I was like, yeah. They was like, so, so he didn't wake up? I said, yeah, he woke up. He woke up, turned his alarm off, got back in the bed. I got in the car. I went <laughs> I'm gone. And so and then I would get to the game, and it, everybody knew him. So it was like, where's that one guy that was scoring all those points for you guys the other day? I said, he's right there at the end of the bench. <laughs> you know, but now, and we needed him. He was a, a key part of our, our team, but can't help a situation at the expense of his life. Had to do what's best. But he could have gotten up. So, I, so now look at now his life now. He does well in his career, but he has to be at work. Right. And he has to be, be there on time. Or he'll lose his job. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So he has to get up. So I could have made it comfortable for him, but how would that would have trained him for his future? So, so Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever, whatsoever a man uh, doeth or soweth, that shall he also reap. So um, be proactive uh, parents, not reactive parents. Uh, be clear about the expectations of what you desire and expect of them. That be proactive uh, as parents is so important because a lot of times we parent on the run, uh, and, and that's not good. That's not healthy. Um, just thinking ahead, you know, thinking, you know, um, even with the disciplinary, and I'm sure we, I think we will probably talk a little bit about it, but, you know, uh, don't start to create a consequence on the spot. It, that's the wrong thing to do. Create the con let them know, hey, because the thing is, if you choose the behavior, you choose the consequence. It ain't even that deep. So instead of, oh, wait a minute, now I got to figure out a consequence for this. No, that person already should know when I did this, this is what's going to happen. Not, okay, now what can I do to cause effect in this situation? That's not the time to be doing that. So be proactive as a parent, not reactive. Uh, so vitally important. Uh, be clear about expectations of what you desire and expect of them. Be very clear about that. Um, make the consequences clear so that if they make a wrong choice, they choose, well, I already said that, they choose the consequence. So, so we must create a learning environment. Mm -hmm. It's a learning environment. Uh, my wife said developmental milestones, creating an environment for, for everyone to discover. You know, this, this is what we have to do even as, a, as pastors, create an environment for people to discover. What are they discovering? Unknown ignorance. Sometimes people are ignorant and they're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people have grown beyond being children because no one made them aware of the unknown ignorance, so it grew up to be adult ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where they are undeveloped, you know, everybody hasn't arrived. So you, you're creating an environment where a kid can recognize where they're undeveloped. You're, you're also creating an environment where, they, where they're recognizing that sometimes they're blinded by categorized intellect. It's what we call categorized intellect. So what that means is there's something that a person is smart at or good at. So sometimes a kid will be, uh, you know, maybe great in school, good, you know, good at math, this, that, and the other. So they think that that gives them a pass on, on, on life as a whole. No, you're smart in that area. But that doesn't mean, you ever see the kid that you know he's smart, and the parents may not be great at math or English, but, but they may be great at the other 90% of life, right? But the kid is almost talking to you like, well, you don't know the Pythagorean theorem. You know, <laughs> Pythagorean theorem is not the all of life. Or kid may be street smart. So they're street smart, but the parent might not be street smart, but they're almost will devalue the parent because they're not street smart. That's categorize intellect. But if you create an environment, the, the, uh, kids will discover what they don't know. John Maxwell says this, if you don't know what you don't know, you don't grow. Right? So we need to find out what we don't know. Also creating... Um, the value of uh, honesty and integrity. Uh, kids, <laughs> a lot of times, kids, it starts, you know, when you, when you grow up and you, uh, a person has a propensity to lie a lot. Well, it started when they were kids. And sometimes, you know, kids, people, why do people lie? They lie because they don't want to get in trouble, right? But as they're growing, we have to make a, we have to um, develop the uh, truth in them. or Honesty and uh, integrity. Yeah, because here's the thing. Like, let's say that the kid uh, dropped a, a glass and it's broken right in front of you. Well, you wouldn't say, did you break the glass? You would say something like, you know, hey, the glass broke, so what happened? So now the person's not like, oh my God, I broke the glass and I'm about to get in trouble. You know what I mean? So it's really, really uh, walking them through that, you know, talking about the little boy that cried wolf. You know, this is for the little ones um, because it starts there. It really does. It starts there when when you start to notice your child uh, lying. This is not the time to, you know, um, uh, scold them. Like, for instance, if you know that they lied, then you say to them, you know what, I'm going to give you a little bit of time uh, to, uh, to think about what just happened. And then let me know when you're ready to tell the truth. As opposed, you lied, you know. <laughs> you know, go to your room. <laughs> so we want to help them through that process because uh, we, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a, a, a nation full of liars uh, that have seriously, there's people lying on their jobs. They're lying, you know, with their husbands and wives. They're lying with two to children. Lying about uh, accomplishments. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, and so, it, but it starts when they're small. But what she said is powerful, you know, create an atmosphere of, of honesty and integrity. Mm-hmm. But she says your approach, if your approach is something's wrong with a person as opposed to, okay, tell me what happened. Right. Because this is the reality with kids. They, they're they're going to keep making mistakes because they're learning. Right. So you got to allow for mistakes. You can't just re- react to them because you, you wouldn't have done that or it inconvenienced you. No, you got to go, okay, this is another teaching moment. I mean, this will help us even in, with marriages, but we're talking about the kids right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you have to allow for it. Like when we first got together, I used to tell my wife, I said, babe, you got to let me at least make, make the mistake twice. Mm-hmm. I said, because... I have to have an opportunity to learn from it. I've been living that way my whole life, even with bosses. I was like, okay, listen, you can get as worked up as you want, but I'm, I, I should be allowed to do it once. I don't even feel bad that I made the mistake the first time. Now, if I repeat it, I didn't learn from it. So you have to allow people to learn from it. So, but Because you don't want to train your kids to grow up and be adults, and every time someone asks them what happened, they're, they're, they want to deceive and lie because they think there's something wrong with yeah. mistakes. Yeah. Mistakes are your friend. That's how you learn. And so if I could piggyback on that, I was the one that you can't make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So you can imagine in the marriage, it was like, because it, it was like, you know, like, really? Like, <laughs> I mean, I just didn't give him uh, room to make mistakes. Um, uh, so that. Or Mondale. Or Mondale, yeah. I mean, if he spilled milk, it was almost like, you spilled the milk. I mean, like. It was just like rage. I was yeah. like, the milk ain't going to jump back in the glass because you're upset. So, But it was just, <laughs> just yeah, I mean, up. it's just, you know, I had a, uh, I guess I, I had a temper. <laughs> we'll say it that way. I had a temper, so uh, I didn't have uh, patience, you know, when it was something that, something as simple as But spoiled. you were trained that way. But I was trained that way, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, uh, you had to be real quick. You mm -hmm. had to be real quick. And so, so we also create that environment where, you know, they can recognize they may be picking up on some of our bad habits because mm -hmm. we're all growing. So sometimes we weren't trained all the right way and we are growing through bad habits. Those are opportunities for parent and the child to grow together. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, I'm working on being on time more too. So, hey, let's us come up with a plan where we can hold each other accountable. As opposed to what's wrong with you, right. I'm the adult, don't question me. That, it doesn't work that way. Because what we do is we create a domino effect. When we don't create this environment, we're creating a domino effect and we're actually extending some, some curses and some bad things. You know, we talk about uh, generational curses. Well, the Bible talks about in a, 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 a Exodus 34, 7, it says, um, the inequities of the father, sins and inequities of the father visiting to the fourth generation. Mm -hmm. Right? So we have an opportunity when we operate in obedience to sever some of those things that we've picked up, bad habits from other situations of other parents. So, and, and it'll help us not to, 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 it can help us to grow beyond that if we don't play off of what's happened before. I'm trying to, something's going through my head while I'm talking at the same time, so excuse me for the way I express that. But what I was thinking through is, Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me, Job 3.25. And so if you go into a situation, this is how our family's always been. So I, I, I don't want them to have a, a mental illness, or I don't want this person to, uh, you know, have bad relations. Well, I don't want you to keep, no, we're not playing off of fear. See, because a parent that yields to fear holds everyone in the house hostage mm -hmm. to their fears. And that actually extends what you're trying to get rid of. We're walking by faith, not by sight. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. But you don't prevent things by your fears. Right. You prevent things by your faith. You know, um, so, because that, what that does is that creates collateral damage. You know, Scripture says, by one man's sin, by one man's disobedience, it threw the world into a tailspin. Mm -hmm. Right? So we don't realize the effect that we can have when we're not really, you know, operating in the faith that God has designed us to have. You know, children have been watching their parents sometimes live a double life for years. You know, telling them one thing but doing something else, going to church saying one thing but representing something else, all, the ch all, you, all we're doing is training the child that this is not genuine. God is not real. Yeah. That's all we're doing. You know, if pastors, if we live the double life, all we're training people is God is not real. You know, so you don't, because even though a person may not tell you to your face, but they're saying you don't even believe it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't even believe that. Well, we, I just heard, sometimes they pick up more than you pick up. I just heard the pastors communicate this. They gave a scripture, chapter, and verse. I went back and read it. You actually just told your cousin that you're not doing that or you disagree with that. So basically, you don't even believe what God's saying. So you want me to believe what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And if the kid don't tell you, you'd be like me talking to the mirror. They'll be talking to the mirror and be like, please. They might not tell you because they don't want to get knocked upside their head, but they'll be talking to the mirror and saying, please, man, ain't nobody listening to you. See, and this is the thing. Most parents have a skill set or a mindset, but, but very few parents have an understanding of relationship, either with God or man, mm -hmm. right? So, so, so they don't know what to, sometimes they're not working to understand themselves, so they can't pass that on to their kids. Yeah. So a lot of times it's, you know, it's do what I say. No, do, uh, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> you know, that, that mentality. And that's, 
that's not good um, because the kids, again, remember I talked about a lot of things are actually caught. So they catch you doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and uh, as opposed to you actually sitting them down saying, okay, Johnny, this is what we're going to do. No, a lot of times they're watching you. I mean, and honestly, here's, oh, this is, this is something that I really, really uh, want people to get. Don't think that your kids are like furniture. That's great. <laughs> you know, just sitting there, minding their own business, just, you know, do, you know they're, they're, they, can be, they can be in another room and can hear you. Sometimes we think, ah, they don't hear me. Well, they, no, no, no. They're right at the top of the steps. You think they're in the room. Right. They're right at the top of the steps. They listen to the information, the argument, and everything else. Yeah, so try not to, you know, allow your children to deal with uh, adult situations. You know, don't, don't, don't argue in front of your kids. That is not healthy, I'm telling you. Uh, kids, first off, they have a... a uh, an ability to take what's happening and internalize it as they are the problem. If I didn't eat, if, if you're talking about money, you know, arguing about money, well, if I didn't eat as much, maybe they wouldn't be talking about money. You see what I'm saying? They wouldn't be arguing about money. Um, and so they, they have a, a, a ability to do that. They'll take what you're arguing about and think that if I, you know, uh, maybe if I, you know, didn't do this or I didn't do that, they wouldn't be arguing. They just, that's just the way they think. So don't argue in front of your kids because they can't handle the information and you think that they don't know what you're saying, but they do. They just don't know how to process that information. So, you know, it, it messes with their ability to uh, feel stable even. You know, I mean, if, 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 if a home is chaotic with arguing and fussing and fighting, the kid actually doesn't know when I go to bed, is my world going to change? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, is it going to, when I wake up, what, what's going to happen to me? So kids, they, it, it's just, it, please, please, please do not argue in front of your kids because they don't know how to deal with um, the rage, they don't. Matter of fact, I remember when I was little, and I would hear, uh, you know, uh, either one of the, actually my mother, she was arguing with someone, and it was very frightening, man. I mean, because you know, as a small child, everything looks big, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you go back to your old home uh, when you were when you were younger. It looks small now, but when you were younger, everything looked big, and so everything is magnified. The voices are magnified. Uh, the visual parts of it is magnified. So it, it's 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 fearful to a child to hear two grown people arguing. They don't know what's going to happen, and so they. A lot of times, I remember I was under the covers because. I didn't, you know, what, what if they come and get me? I mean, mm. you think that. You think, oh, my God, they may, they may come in and hurt me. So that, please, whatever you do, do not argue in front of your kids. They can't handle it. It, it is. Much. It is. It, 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 it's trauma, but like she said, you don't know what the outcome is. Think about how we are as an adult. Even now, we struggle with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we get uh, anxiety if things are uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. So imagine what a child is. Their life, their future is in the hands of these people that are unstable. Yeah. Um, so it's trauma, or, or especially if it's really violent. And I was in a situation where I was like, you know, one time I was asked to break, break it up. And I'm like, so, so I called myself trying to break it up. But then one of the, one of the parents was like, I'm going to punch you in your mouth. I was mm. like, I just... You guys need me, I'll be in the room, I just put my <laughs> headphones on. But really, I didn't know what to do, you know. Uh, um, and yeah, I How just, do you call the cops on your mom and your dad? And I was asked to do that, that one, too. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I can't do that. Like, I can't. Because, well, one, I probably was thinking, I wasn't thinking, like, that, you know, endearing. I was thinking, if I call the cops, I might get beat up. So I was like, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not honoring that request, you know. But it, what it does is it can train all these things that we're talking about. Sometimes you could train your kids to operate in isolation, which is also dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some adults are still trying to learn to interact with people. Mm-hmm. Isolation is, is where people are limited to their own understanding. So when you have a kid that's just off to the side and disconnected, sometimes we think the policy is sheltering our kids. Well, the sheltered kids are limited to the parents' own understanding. 
Well, that's still not good. Mm -hmm. Then you have those that are rebellious, fighting for freedom. And a lot of times people that are so restrained are ready to break out. They normally break out into an enticing world of craziness, right? Um, <clears throat> and, and then, of course, you have those that are runaways. And runaways run away. Uh, everything's just so restrained because they're not taught the benefits of boundaries. Anybody in their right mind wouldn't run, run away from protection. So, th so obviously, they're looking at the boundaries the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Or the boundaries are being presented the wrong way, not what's best for the child, but what's convenient for the parent. All right, so, so we want to uh, take some time to give people an opportunity to ask questions. We do have... Um, we do have a list that Pastor Mel put together, just some, some things that we talked about and some things that we did in a different child needs. So for the people that's here, uh, you probably, when you get home, you have to get it on video. So they'll have, they'll have it lined up. So uh, I'm just going to run through it real quick. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I don't want to, because of time, I want to, I want to give them more time for questions. Yeah. I mean, I could do it real quick. Okay. okay, so child needs order. First uh, Corinthians fourteen forty. You can read, look that up for yourself. Uh, structure. Uh, when there's no structure, the children will be all over the place. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Uh, read it in the amp if you get some time. Stability. They need a sense of security and knowing when they go to bed. And I said this early. When they go to bed. Uh, at night, everything won't blow up and change their world in a negative way when they wake up. They need safety. Um, will you provide them or, or protect them from danger? They need discipline, behavior modification. We, we didn't get into that, but uh, that's something we can maybe, if we talk about it again, we can get into. Uh, they need to be uh, taught responsibility. Uh, they need to have devotion time. As families, you, but you should uh, integrate that into your, your time. They need to have family time. Uh, instead of with computers and TVs and things like that, family time. Uh, don't give up on parenting no matter how hard it is or how hard it gets. Sometimes people give up. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 talks about um, don't be weary and well-doing. You'll reap if you faint not. Uh, do not parent out of fear. 2 Timothy uh, 1, 7, don't, don't do that. Don't parent out of fear. Remember that your child is not your friend. We talked a little bit about that. Build your self-esteem by teaching them uh, that God made them special and everything God made is beautiful. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 talks a little bit about that. Teach them to appreciate God's creativity. Uh, let them know that they uh, are his masterpiece that he put a lot of thought and detail in uh, creating them. Spend individual time if you have more than one child. Each child needs, uh, needs is different from the others. Don't use the cookie cutter approach. Trust God with your children's process. Uh, they are his children first. He has charged us to actually be stewards over them. Help your children to value and, and uh, value the truth and honesty. Um, if uh, mother and father or parents uh, are parenting together, whether in the home or outside the home, never undermine the other parent. That's big. So don't tell your, don't tell your, uh, your kids, you know, well, your daddy sucks. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a two-time, you know, uh, player. You know, don't, don't do that because the kid actually feels like, well, you're talking about my dad, but that, I'm from him, so you're saying that about me. Uh, never talk, well, I said that, uh, children should never deal with adult situations. We talked about that. Um, that's it. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. And, and just want to speak to the, the discipline, behavior modification. Don't start, like, when you're, as you're disciplining the child, mm -hmm. it's, it should, one, number one, it should never be personal. Yeah. It shouldn't be uh, reactive, like she talked about earlier. And it's behavior modification. Don't go to your ace in the hole first. So let's say your ace in the hole is the belt. You don't want to do that first. <laughs> you know, you might want to, hey, I need you to be quiet. You know, just progressively get to it so they know that they've actually built up to a certain level of discipline. Because if you always go to extremes, where do you go from there? Yeah. 
pay attention to your kids too, because everybody has a currency. So, but if you, if you don't watch it, you'll be like, well, dang, the only thing the kid likes is the Xbox. If I, you know, so, that, so that's the only thing I can do is take the Xbox away. No, there are some other things. They may want to go shopping with, um, you know, uh, actually I was talking to our son the other day and we uncovered quite a bit of things that they like. But at first it was like, well, it seemed like the person only likes Xbox or something. But no, as you really think through what your kids do, you'll find that you'll, ha you'll have a list of things that you can start to you know, create so that you can have the, the modification, the mm -hmm. behavior modification. But it's always behavior modification. It's not one extreme to the other. Right. That's, that's, that's extremely unhealthy. I'm parenting, and it can never, never be personal. Just like what she was saying, don't just be yelling and screaming. That's, that's when it becomes personal. Yeah. And that doesn't, that pushes a kid away from you and creates resentment. When it's not personal, it draws a kid to you. Remember the first time, and the only time I've had to spank my grandson. Um, you know, I let him cry for a while. The, we came in the room and we talked through what he did wrong. Never had no more problems out of him. But it wasn't personal. Like, I wasn't upset. Like, I, 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 and I, I spanked him. I went, in the, <laughs> I went in the room. He was on the stairs crying. I went in the room, watched TV. It's like, all right, when you finish crying, you come in here. And so I just was watching. I was watching whatever the show was because it wasn't personal. And he came in and we talked through, gave each other a hug said I loved them, and we went on about our business. So, you know, it, it can't be personal. And even as you get older, if it's personal, it's dangerous. Yeah. You, that divides. If yeah. it's what's best, even though they're going to be kicking and screaming. My son tells me all the time, he said, I didn't like that, but I needed it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you did it. So don't fight. Don't, don't fight. <laughs> don't, <No>. beat, <laughs> don't beat them out of anger. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're angry, you need to calm down. Don't do whatever you do. Do not whip the child when you're angry mm -hmm. because they will, you'll, you'll be more heavy handed <laughs> and you won't know your own strength. And it'll cross over to abuse after a while. Um, so never do that. Don't whip them when they're angry. Still away. You know, because sometimes you'd be like, want to snatch a knot in her butt, you know, real quick, you know, uh, but that's not the time to do it because you, you will, you'll either disrespect them or you'll, uh, abuse, you'll them. abuse them. Yeah. All right. So any questions, let's start with people calling in or watching. If uh, you have the number on the screen, if you so, you have a thought, doesn't have to be a question, um, but you may have a thought, please uh, jump in and you could uh, make sure you put your your video on mute.